0: Hey everybody, welcome to this bonus episode, which is also featured on our YouTube channel, recently rebranded as the Disciple Makers YouTube channel. So be sure to check out the video if you'd like the visual, and if not, enjoy this audio version. God bless. Hey there family, I'm Joey Hungerford. Welcome back to Discipleship Vlogs. In this video, we're giving you a quick summary on what is the Old Testament, why you should learn it, What it is and what we should do about it. All right, let's hop in. So, why value the Old Testament? Why learn about it? And it's true that the the New Testament and the New Covenant is superior to the Old Covenant, according to Jeremiah 31. However, Jesus himself said that the Old Testament was true wise and inspired and we're going to start in the new testament because it gives plenty of reasons to value and learn the old testament it explains its usefulness in passages such as romans 15 verse 4 for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide we might have hope And most often in the New Testament, when it says scripture or scriptures, it's referring to the entire Bible, including the Old Testament. When tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, how did Jesus respond? When asked about his purpose, how did Jesus respond? When asked about topics such as marriage and divorce and the afterlife, how did Jesus respond? When asked about the end of the world or the most important tasks that we should go after in life, where did Jesus find his answers? The answer, the Old Testament. More than that, the Apostle Paul references the Old Testament. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17-18 through 18 and Here he's establishing the precedent for elders in the church and qualifications they should meet, and he gives a citation to the Old Testament. In referencing Deuteronomy 25.4, Paul says, verse 17, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. For scripture, Old Testament scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. This means Paul considered both New Testament and Old Testament as scripture and inspired. And one more citation from Paul over in Galatians chapter 3 verse 16. He gives a citation and he's actually arguing with the Pharisees over the tense of a verb and the plurality of a verb, meaning even Old Testament verb tense is important and inspired. Paul says there, The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. Here you have an inspired biblical author interpreting inspired biblical texts. Okay, so we talk about how it's inspired, but isn't the Old Testament just a bunch of boring laws and God's wrath and old stories? Uh, isn't the exciting stuff in the New Testament that I'm really going to find instruction and value from? Well, listen to how the psalmist talks about the Old Testament law. In Psalms 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. In verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So it's not just the New Testament that gives light and wisdom and guidance, but actually the law. And the first writings, the first few books of the Old Testament can give inspiration and light and wisdom, according to David the Psalmist. So, what is the Old Testament? Well, let's give an overview and get a little bit more technical about the narrative of the events and the books that make up the Old Testament. And the Bible actually does this on its own. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen, an early leader in the New Testament church, and actually the first Christian martyr of the Christian Church is preaching to Pharisees who do not accept Christ and he is preaching to them from the Old Testament. During his sermon he summarizes all of the Old Testament to them and he gives a summary citing some prominent figures that will give a brief overview matching Stephen's overview. So you can go ahead and look at Acts chapter 7 but there you will find he talks about Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, a husband of Sarah and the father of Isaac, and Joseph, that's Abraham's great-grandson who ended up in Egypt and through his ability to interpret dreams, he prepared Egypt for a famine, ended up saving his family who came down to Egypt and escaped the famine. Then there's Moses, he's the leader whom God used to lead the Jewish people out of slavery when the Egyptians had oppressed them in Egypt. After him comes his disciple, Joshua, and he leads the newly freed Jewish people into the promised land. Later, they establish a king, David, and he has the first dynasty of the Israelite kings in the promised land. He's also a psalmist, he's also a warrior, and his son Solomon builds the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. So as we walk through Stephen's sermon, and we walk through these six people, it's interesting because they actually all foreshadow Christ in a different way. Just as Abraham was about to sacrifice his beloved son, God sacrificed his beloved son, Jesus, on the cross. For Joseph, just as Joseph suffered in slavery and it led to the saving of many people, Jesus' sufferings on the cross led to the saving of countless lives for all eternity. Moses, uh, just as Moses led his people out of slavery into Egypt, Jesus leads his people out of slavery of sin. For Joshua, just as he led his people into the promised land, Jesus leads the children of God into God's promised rest. For David, just as David was a king who conquered territory for Israel, Jesus, a descendant of David in the Davidic line, came as a king to expand the kingdom of God all over the world. And Solomon, where Solomon built the temple for God, Jesus came as the true temple, the true way of connecting people with God. You see, by studying the Old Testament, you get a further explanation and a further richness of what Jesus came to do for us. So if that's a brief narrative overview through those six leaders, here's a brief technical overview of the books themselves. Now, the Hebrew Bible has 24 books. The Protestant Bible has 39 books in the Old Testament. Why the difference in the amount of books? Well, it's Actually, the same content just packaged in different ways. So most Christian versions of the Old Testament Bible have four sections. Law, History, Poetry, and Prophecy. The Law, that's Genesis to Deuteronomy. History is Joshua to Esther. Poetry is Job to Song of Solomon. Prophecy is Isaiah to Malachi. And that's longer books and shorter books, referred to as the Minor Prophets and Major Prophets. Most Hebrew versions of the Bible have three sections. The Law, the Writings, and the Prophets. Same material, packaged in a different way. Actually, there in Acts chapter 7, Stephen references all three sections of the Old Testament. And not only Stephen, but Jesus quotes all of the sections of the Old Testament. Look over in Luke chapter 24. And starting verse 27, it says, "...then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself," which gives you a clue as to what the Old Testament is leading to and referring to and giving a richness of Jesus himself. And if you skip forward to Luke twenty-four forty-four, it says this, "...he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the Prophets and the Psalms, and the Psalms is shorthand for the writings in the Jewish Old Testament. The Jewish Bible is actually still divided into those three categories, while our Protestant or Christian Bibles are more divided along literary types, from prophecy to poetry, law, apocalyptic literature, etc. I'll get a little bit more technical and define a couple of terms for you. I've mentioned a few times the law. The writings in the Old Testament were given to facilitate life under the law, given to instruct worship, and given to act as a a corpus or a body of wisdom literature. Five of these books, referred to as the five, were actually given to be read aloud and publicly at the five major Jewish holidays. And those books are Song of Songs, Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, and Esther. Torah is a Hebrew word that means instruction or law. So when you hear the Jewish word Torah, it's referring to the first five books of the Bible. Also referring to God's laws, the Greek word Pentateuch that you may have heard. Penta meaning five, those first five books. Uh, The second book of the Bible, Deuteronomy itself, means second law. You've heard me refer to these first five books as God's law. That's because this is the old covenant which God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. So Moses is the author of the first five books of the Bible and he summarizes all of that law into the 10 commandments that was written on stone. Now, the people struggled with this because the law gave a legal system that if the person found guilty of just one infraction, would be guilty of breaking the entire law and the entire covenant with God. Individual people in the nation of Israel itself would often be guilty of breaking this covenant. You see it play out in the book of Judges. The people fall into rebellion against God and God delivers them over to foreign people and then God raises up Judges to rescue them back. You see it play out further in the books of 1st and 2nd Kings and Samuel God raises up a a kingship system, a a dynasty under Saul, which really fails again and again and again, and the nation is actually split into two. So there's Israel and Judah. So let me just summarize the ending of the Old Testament, and I'll actually refer back to Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Stephen had a sad ending. He was stoned and actually Saul, later the Apostle Paul, was at that stoning and witnessed his murder and then he went on to write the rest of the New Testament. But just as Stephen had a sad ending, things didn't end in a bright place for the Old Testament. After Solomon's reign and building the temple, he had a tyrannical son and under him the nation of Israel split. After rebelling against God, both of the kingdoms are conquered by Assyria and Babylon. Under King Nebuchadnezzar, They are carried into exile and throughout that exile period you get the major and minor prophets. The prophets led the people and reminded them of God's faithfulness. They led people through dissolution of a destroyed nation and called them to follow God's laws even though they were in captivity. Now eventually under Persia the Jews are allowed to return home and rebuild their homeland. This actually fulfills some Old Testament prophecy that after 70 years, they would return home and rebuild. But the New Testament is left with so much unresolved. There are hundreds upon hundreds of Old Testament prophecies unfulfilled by the ending of the Old Testament. So Stephen reminds his audience that throughout the Old Testament, the people resisted the Holy Spirit and rebelled against God. Just like in the New Testament, they resist the Holy Spirit and put Jesus to death. They persecute the prophets and they crucify the Messiah. Then Stephen himself is put to death, though he remains faithful to death. And again, then Saul witnesses that and goes on to write the New Testament. So now that we've summarized the Old Testament and the Old Covenant and the law, what do we do about all of that? Well, let me ask you, do you obey everything in the law? It's quite a bit. Even if you read one page, even if you think of the Ten Commandments, do you obey all of it? Even according to Apostle Paul, one who does not obey every part of the law remains under condemnation. It's pretty serious. That's not good news, but it sets us up to receive the good news. Here's what we do with that setup. Those 39 books of the Old Testament cultivate a longing in us for the Messiah, for the good news to realize that we are lawbreakers. We need the gospel, the good news, the King to come and make things right. The Old Testament narrates a broken covenant and a broken people, but promises a new and better covenant. And so I just wanna encourage you, if you've allowed your appreciation or study of the Old Testament to fade, recommit to it the way Jesus did, treating it as wise, true, and inspired. Because it's by studying the Old Testament that we cultivate a longing for the new and a greater appreciation of the good news that comes in Jesus. Thanks for watching this video. If you liked the content, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below, let me know what you think, but be sure to check out my other video, a summary of the New Testament, and also check out the blog in the description where we talk about other videos and resources on why the Bible is authoritative, how we got the Bible, why you can trust it, and how we should interpret the Word of God. Thank you for watching.